Welcome back to part two of this show, our special first time public forum and podcast with our two past guests, Mike Fitzgerald and Joshua Hyde. Thank you again for sitting in for part two. Um, we have just finished a, an introdu introductory discussion about some of the issues that you all have talked about. Now I kind of want to hit a little bit harder into some of the issues that are kind of, um, some of you have hinted at, maybe some other guests have brought up and really get your feedback on them. We ended up talking about healthcare and un underemployment in the last segment. In this segment, I really want to talk about criminal justice reform. I want to put some discussion on criminal justice reform. It's a big subject, it can mean a lot of different things, but let me try to create some context. There is a group, there are several groups out there that have been working with folks who have been wrongly accused but are on death row. Yet we still have the death penalty in a lot of different areas across the country. Had they not had those people come in and in some cases, some cases work for free, they would have been killed. And they now say one in 10 people who are killed are actually innocent. Um, for some people, that's an average they can, they can live with. And for some people, it's further, um, further cause for pause, right? No death penalty or what have you. But talking about criminal justice reform, we know that uh, minorities, particularly African-American men, are jailed at a higher rate than most anyone else. Um, so let's, let's, let's talk about that a little bit and, and try to understand what that means. We've had some things repealed from the Clinton era, the three strikes and you're out, uh, that Democrats put into place. And now with the help of Republicans, that has been rolled back. So it seems to be bigger than the political parties, right? Or maybe it's not. What are your thoughts on criminal justice reform? What aren't my thoughts on criminal justice reform? Um, I mean, you already hit the nail on the head. You know, I mean, my demographic, you know, black men are kind of the, well, I said minorities in general, not just specifically black people are targeted. But I think a, a lot of it comes through uh, just, you know, the policies, the systems, the everything else that have already been in place for as long as they have been that led to where we are now. Um, I don't, I think that reforming the criminal justice system starts by removing a lot of these slavery era mindsets that some people still have to this day about what it means, you know, a probable cause, there's a lot, I mean, that. I'm trying not to get too deep into it because I don't mm -hmm. want to take forever, but mm -hmm. like I, I've done some research on why these things exist mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it only serves to make me worry more mm -hmm. about, you know, what happens the next time I get stopped by a police officer on the street. I mean, mm -hmm. you, you see the, you know, the videos on, on Facebook and Twitter mm -hmm. nowadays mm -hmm. about, you know, police brutality and all the things that are going on. And I mean, it, it really serves to help people understand that this is not new. This has been happening for mm -hmm. centuries. We just now see it because of social media. Mm -hmm. And I think that ending that starts with, end or you know, ending the, the current climate of people against the police, the police against everybody else, really starts with these policy changes. 
policy changes? Well, I started with African Americans, and be it, be it as it may, if you were to be arrested and then, then go before the judge, there's the other part of the discussion where they talk about people being of lesser income, regardless of their ethnicity, just not getting the representation that they need. Mike, where do you fall into this discussion? Is this an issue that uh, has crossed your mind as a voter? Well, and if, we, if we go back to truck up just a little bit here about the entire issue of um, criminal justice, mm -hmm. I, think, I think we need to go back to the beginning. We need to go back to education, period. Mm -hmm. We need to make sure that everyone has a good, solid education in this country so that everyone in this country has the opportunity to use their skills in productive um, legal ways that allow them to make a decent living. Mm -hmm. um, and I, you know, so this, I think we need to go back to kindergarten mm -hmm. here mm -hmm. in essence mm -hmm. and make sure that there's a strong education across the country for all Americans um, to educate them in not only how to look at the world, mm -hmm. but how to begin to, you know, um, educate our folks so that issues of race are not issues anymore. Mm -hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. we need to sort of begin to, we've got to get to the process where we see everyone in this country as equal to begin with. Mm -hmm. And that begins back when you're a kid, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So education you see is a part of the criminal justice reform problem or issues that we've had and that people both haven't- in, Both in terms of keeping people out of involved in crimes, right, right. but also educating the average American about, you know, what is, what is a true crime. And I just want to remind our guests that if you want to chime in, if you can just raise your hand and let me know that you want to so I can acknowledge you, um, then I'd be more than happy to do that. This is an open discussion at this point. If you have some points to make on this particular issue or others that we discuss, please feel free to do so. Going back to your point about education, uh, there have been some folks that have said that, you know, sometimes people end up, um, let's go back to the Clinton years where the three strikes and you're, you're out, and it was really around um, um, the whole, when the just say no failed. Uh, the, the attempts of the Reagan era to, to stifle uh, the, the uh, rising number, or at least I guess that's what they were saying, to lessen the numbers of people going to jail because of drug convictions. Um, then it was one of those, the Democrats wanted to show that they were tough on crime too, and so they proposed the three strikes and, and you're out. Um, and, and that was devastating to communities of color because people uh, were in there for things that some states are now looking to exonerate them for now, especially with the legalization of uh, recreational marijuana in some mm -hmm. states. Uh, there are some people who have been sent to prison for life for that um, and for other things, of course. I don't want to, you know, trivialize it. Uh, how would education how would you like an elected official to consider education when they're thinking about criminal justice reform? Where, where would that play out? And either one of you can speak to that. Because the question is that, or the, the notion is that all Americans have access to a public education. That's the notion. So but is it a good public education? Do all Americans have access to a good public education? Mm -hmm. 
do we pay our teachers so that they will provide quality quality education mm -hmm. to their to our students do we provide them with the supplies that they need and the uh, educational materials that they need to give a good education to all Americans uh, are all Americans do all Americans get an equally good education um, we wouldn't probably have lists that come out and say which are the best schools in you know in, in a state or city or country uh, if all Americans were getting the same quality education there are some indicators that to your point of education that uh, private prisons have been using for some time now that helps them to understand what type of prison population they should expect in the next 10 years. And one of the indicators are reading scores of third grade boys primarily. So they will look at the reading scores and that will help them to determine how many beds to plan for when they're planning their future prisons, how to, what to, what capacity to which they should build. So there is something to what you're saying. The biggest question is how we figure out, how, how we articulate that to elected officials, and we may or may not discover that in this moment. Joshua, you look like you had a point to make. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that education being the, the primary source of the solution mm -hmm. is absolutely correct. I think that a good number, even in my own experience as an American citizen, many of the people that I know of that have criminal charges only ended up in that situation either because they didn't know better or because they didn't understand what they were doing and how it affects, you know, how it affects them over the long term. Mm -hmm. And I, I wholeheartedly believe that if the people that I've had a chance to interact with that are now incarcerated had, you know, better reading scores mm -hmm. and, you know, maybe a better understanding of what they could do and, and legal things that they can do to, you know, further their own station, they wouldn't have had to resort to crime. Because I think that in a lot of these situations, people are resorting to crime. It's not like the thing that they're choosing to do, mm -hmm. it's they, the thing they feel like they have to do okay. rather than something else that they would rather be doing. Well, what about the people who get stopped on the side of the road who never actually make it to court? The, the violence that takes place on the side of the road with, it appears an increase in violence that has taken the lives of minorities in some cases, uh, some cases other folks. But what about those situations when we primarily start to have a discussion about uh, is this police officer being racist in their attack? Like, the, is it the Sandra Bland case uh, for not using, what, her turn signal? Um, did it, would it have gone that far if she were not African-American or the person who was selling um, cigarettes on the street um, and was put in a chokehold and was killed? Would it have gone that far if he was not African? These people never made it to court. So what do we do in those cases when, you know, because criminal justice reform um, doesn't just start in court. Sure. So, so what, what, are, what are your thoughts on that? Either I, one of you can speak to it. I think... Uh, this goes back to education, but instead of educating the young people, I think we at this point need to educate the people in law enforcement, or at least not not everybody. I, I can't pretend that there are, there are only bad cops out there because that's only looking at one side of an issue. But mm -hmm. I think that in in many of these situations, if we can change the way people are thinking mm -hmm. about 
the person on the street, about the person selling cigarettes, about the lady not using her turn signal, mm -hmm. that changes the way that they react to all of these situations. Mm -hmm. I feel like many of these people have notions mm -hmm. that they're acting on, mm -hmm. and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go as far as to say that they're racist or mm -hmm. anything along those lines. But I feel like if we change the thought in people, that changes the actions that they perform. Mm -hmm. And so if we can really change the policies, we can change the mindsets of people. Mm -hmm. I think that that will really go a long way in just getting the right people in the right jobs and will help reduce the unnecessary violence and the unnecessary death we see in today's America. We have a candidate from the state of Indiana who is running for presidency, uh, Mayor Pete Buttigieg. He's dealing with a case right now in South Bend um, with a person who has been killed. Um, unfortunately, the police officer turned off his uh, camera, so they don't have that evidence to review. Um, so this is happening right now, but let me ask this question. If, do you think that that will weigh against him, um, or is the issue bigger than just one mayor in a city? Do you think that will weigh against him as far as his chances uh, in this, uh, in his um, hopes of becoming a candidate for president? So in this political day and age, it will be used against him and there's nothing we can do about that. I think that if the issue wasn't bigger than him, Kaepernick wouldn't have kneeled. Mm. What are your thoughts on that, Mike? Do you have any thoughts to share? Well, I, I, would, I would agree with Joshua that there's, if there's some political hay that somebody can get out of this to um, use it against him, it will be used against him. Is it fair? to use that against him? No. At least I, I don't feel Was he on the street that night? No. Was he with that police officer? Did he instruct his police department that this is how you're going to behave in the future? Mm -hmm. um, did he, what was, what was he doing as mayor with his police department? What, what was the uh, incentives that he wanted his police department to follow? Well, there can be a lot of discussions, I think, amongst locals on, on that issue. Um, but you're right, he was not there when it took place. Uh, he has been under fire for, uh, at least uh, from people in that community, as to not being as responsive about this issue and others with the former uh, police chief that they had, he demoted him. Um, and also just knowing how to respond on this issue. This is a difficult issue to, to respond to and how he's responded to it and not firing the person. I think he wants to go through the process of the investigation um, with the little evidence that they have. Um, but just want to be clear that both of you think it's unfair to hold it against him. Yes. Yes. Yes, okay. I do. Let's talk about climate change. <laughs> is it real? Does some, I mean, is it, is it just something that has been politicized? Well, everything is politicized. Well, I mean, is there something to it? Should people be running on climate change? Well, I know there are a number of scientists who believe it's real <laughs> based on <laughs> measuring it and metrically looking at it. And Does it matter and to you, too, as voters? Let's, put, let's start there. Absolutely. Yeah. I've got children. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, they've got to live in this world mm -hmm. beyond after I'm gone, you know? Mm -hmm. um, if we're going to... if um, we're going to live on this planet, and we're going to ruin this planet and make things worse. Um, we really have to address this issue. Um, I'm sorry, we have a point to be made here from the audience. 
Yeah, I'd like to just kind of feed off your question there. Could we have uh, you state your name for us, please? Uh, Frank James from the Florida. Okay, thank you, Frank. Please, well, go ahead. Well, thank you for having me here, uh, handing me the mic. <laughs> um, climate change is real. I mean, history has shown us that climate change is real. I think, um, as far as the scientists and I think as far as the political part of this, I think where we need to focus is how much of that is actually human caused and how much of that is just the nature of the planet. Mm. Um, and also, I think when some of the supporters of climate change start screaming, this is we're killing the earth and all this kind of thing, we're not really killing the earth. The earth is going to be fine mm -hmm. all said and when it's all said and done. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Short of our sun taking us out, <laughs> the earth is going to be here regardless. What mm -hmm. we are doing is killing our habitable, habitable areas on this planet. Mm. So to say that climate change is, is, and to make it as alarmist as some of, I feel some of the scientists are, I think is, is taken away from the issue. I think we need to look at it for what it is. This is the true history of the planet. Ch climate change is the history of the planet, and it will affect us as occupants of this planet, and we do need to deal with it as such. So I think, I think when we remove some of the alarmism and look at it a little more um, concretely as it truly affects us, and mm -hmm. try to, not trying to make it as we're killing the planet, but we are truly killing ourselves. So is Vice President Pence correct in saying that this is just not an issue that voters need to be worried about? I think it's clearly an issue for voters to be worried about. Is it an issue that's bigger than the Ice Age climate change that happened? Um, is it bigger than the, uh, the issue of when a meteorite uh, crashed through the earth and uh, basically led to the, the extinction of dinosaurs? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I think Frank has a good point. Which part of this is man-made and which part of it is just the earth doing its thing? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and um, I, I, again, it's, we've, we've taken this, made it into one of those yes, no issues without looking at all of the various perm permutations there. Right. You know, what part of this is, is just the earth evolving mm -hmm. and what part of it are we responsible for and how do we address what we're responsible for? Those who say that we shouldn't be hyping it up or saying that those who are hyping it up are really doing it for those who are in the business of renewable energy, that this climate change political environment is a commercial for renewable energy trying to drive out those who have been working in the coal industry and other traditional forms of fossil fuels. So I'm sure that this discussion is not over. We, we won't discover all of the answers to this question, but I just wanted to share that with you all to see if you had a response to that or is that something that you have or have not thought about? Yeah, well, you know, renewable energy in itself can sometimes have consequences mm -hmm. on the environment. Mm -hmm. The um, the giant batteries that go into cars that are electric powered cars, where do those batteries go? They get dumped in the ocean mm, mm. when they're dead. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Tell me that's not creating an environmental problem in and of itself. Right, right, right. Okay, Good so, um, you know, sometimes when you find a solution, the solution may not be a totally perfect solution that's mm -hmm. going to solve your problems, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. So, that, that uh, so. Again, you're, you're dealing with a situation where let's tell you one thing, but let's cover up, let's not make mention of the, uh, the, the other aspects that don't quite solve the problem. Because mm -hmm. we don't want to be totally honest with the, with, with, uh, the American people. You may
made an interesting comment when we talked and we, we were meeting and we were talking about the focus of what you all thought this show should, should talk about. And one of the things you said, Mike, was that all of the emails that you get, and I believe you said from Democrats, instead of let's talking about the issues, um, they're saying let's beat Trump and, and raise money, but you never said anything about it educating you about particular issues. And I raise it for that because you've talked about educating voters and, and needing that more. Um, whether Republican or Democrat, um, is that something that people will see? Because a lot of times you get those emails and things and you just throw them away or things that come in the mail. Uh, it, is this an effort that politicians do need to start making? We expect people to ask us for money. We don't expect people to educate us. You know, that's a good point. And I, and I would say that, you know, the emails I have received, they, they focus in on topics. Uh, they talk about where the Republicans or the president stand on a particular topic and where the Democrats in turn stand on a particular topic. And then they all end with, we can all solve this by sending me $5. <laughs> Right. And, and I think the way we're going to solve this is, is uh, by engaging in the political process, mm -hmm. uh, trying to get a discussion out there about the differences of opinion mm -hmm. uh, and being tolerant of each other about what our opinions are instead of just going to the, um, the black and white issues, either for right. me or against me. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the common ground. Let's take things, instead of being having every discussion based on having both camps with their backs to the sea, let's take those discussions out onto the plains mm -hmm. and let's talk about the nuances around them and, mm -hmm. and how can we whittle this problem down from the sides? Mm -hmm. what, are the other, what are the issues that are out there that we haven't, you know, we're just ignoring uh, because it's just easy, easier to talk about the big, solid topic in front of us. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think personally, uh, the, the active discussion is currently lost here in America. I don't think that we, as a people, have been able to have a discussion about really any major topic in quite some time. Because if you, if you look at, you know, like, let, let's take a good example, uh, like, Discussing things in a workplace, right? Mm -hmm. What are the three things they tell you you can't discuss in a workplace? Oh, yeah, politics, religion, and I forget what the exactly. other is. Exactly, politics, <laughs> religion, and usually some, some form of like money or yeah, anything yeah. along those lines. Right, right. The, the, literally, the way that we go about our lives in America is training us to not actually discuss any of the things that matter to, I don't know, 98% of the American people. So we don't know how to discuss. We only know how to argue. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of our major problems is that we don't have a discussion. We don't actually have debate. We have people arguing at each other about what's right and this is right and send me $5 and I can fix it. Well, isn't that how the political parties distinguish themselves, though? Don't they have to do a little bit of that so that you know where they stand and so you can figure out where you should stand with them? Since uh, many people are st still loosely affiliate themselves with either Republican or Democrat, um, that traditional way of, of um, helping people understand where each party is going has been utilized successfully, whether you agree with it or not. They're still here. This leads me to a question that I have. Have political parties, have they overstayed their welcome? I remember... Uh, and I think I asked you this before, you Joshua. Did. You did. <laughs> um, I... I've changed my answer to some degree oh, because okay. when you when you last asked me this question, I said yes. Mm -hmm. I, I gave you a resounding yes. You're right. 
but I think you're right. There is there is some use for a political party, but I think that instead of being about a group of people that are taking a particular stance on a specific few issues, mm-hmm. it's become more about us versus them, regardless mm-hmm. of where they stand on anything in particular, because mm-hmm. that changes over time. Mm-hmm. Like no no party is the same as they were 15, 20, 100 years ago. Like mm-hmm. it's been here for forever, but they've not always been the same. Mm-hmm. And I think that people should more align themselves with what type of voter they are, whether they're like a liberal or a conservative voter, I think that the parties themselves should take specific stances on issues, not specific stances against other parties. Hmm. What are your thoughts, Mike? Because that sounds a little confusing to me <laughs> as far as the, you said they should align with liberal, or, or are you saying no, they I should I focus think, on I think oh, the okay. voters should align themselves with any particular type of how they want America to run, whether oh, like I'm a conservative or I'm a liberal, but mm-hmm. I think the parties should more align with the issues themselves okay. rather than, again, being against each other. Because every, every time you see any sort of uh, advertisement about the party, you hear it against either someone or something rather than you know, being about here's where we stand on this and here's what we can do to fix it. It's a, this person is bad and here we can get them out of office. Right, right. How, how does that strike you, the polarization of issues, Mike, with, with um, not just the current environment, this is politics, but when people say, I would, but the Democrats, or I would, but the Republicans, and they are more or less pointing fingers at each other. How do, how do you think voters, how should we navigate those waters? Well, what I love is when, when the administration that's in, in office turns around and says, well, this disastrous thing that just happened wasn't my fault. It was my predecessor's fault. Mm. Um, the, 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 again, like I said, you can't fib your way into greatness. Um, you got to take responsibility for, for what you've done um, or what you haven't done. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's very important to, to find ways to be more honest uh, as a politician. Um, if you're just taking a stance mm-hmm. for the whole purpose of how many people that's gonna give you in terms of voters, mm-hmm. uh, is that honest? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, I think um, in terms of, of um, in terms of the political scene, um, we have to, as voters, begin to demand more accountability among our, our representatives. And, and that's a good point because oftentimes uh, politicians talk during the election cycle, but the conversation ends after election day. So how do you think that you will try to do things moving forward, Joshua, with holding the people you vote for accountable? Well, <laughs> why do you think I'm here? <laughs> I mean, like, you, you do what you can within your sphere of influence, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I can't go have a conversation with Pete. Like, I, that's not within my sphere. Right. However, right. Um, I can align myself with things that he may listen to mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. some point in time mm-hmm. if I mm-hmm. want to get a message to him mm-hmm. about something going on here in Indiana. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think that there are lots of ways that you as a voter 
can make a difference, mm -hmm. but they all involve you doing something within your sphere, whether that's talking to other voters, mm -hmm. whether that's you know taking your concerns to someone who may have a higher pull mm -hmm. than you, maybe someone at the mayor's office, sending, sending them an email, writing them a letter. Mm -hmm. Like There are lots of things that you can do as an individual, but a lot of people feel, myself, I used to feel this way, mm -hmm. uh, that like, because they're, all of these things are so beyond me, there's no way that my voice can actually be heard, mm -hmm. which is one of the reasons why I came on the podcast to begin with. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is an amazing opportunity. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I, I think that at the end of the day, the way that you enact the change that you want here in America is to start to be that change. Mm -hmm. So talk to people. And I pose the same question to you, Mike. How will you hold the people you vote for accountable after Election Day? One of the things I've noticed when I have, uh, I've been on uh, Capitol Hill a couple of times in, in, in DC for an association I work for. And one-on-one, -on -one, members of Congress, are responsive, willing to listen to you. They may not they may not do what you'd like them to do, but they are willing to listen one-on-one. -on -one. They actually turn out to be human beings for the most part. Mm -hmm. um, and, That's uh, a good thing to discover, right? And, and uh, <laughs> when you're in their office, you're a constituent, mm -hmm. and your constituents are voters. Mm -hmm. uh, right, so they right. do listen to you, and they do, you know, they, they are not, uh, uh, they are not just uh, present themselves as being in it for themselves, mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, reaching out to members of Congress is an important thing to do, uh, or, you know, your, your mayor, your governor. Um, I wrote uh, Representative Susan Brooks a number of times mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, during this last year, and, and the thrust of all of my messages were, if you disagree with the president, you need to tell him so. Mm -hmm. If you disagree with Donald Trump about this issue, you need to tell him so, because if you're not disagreeing with him, that means you're agreeing with him. Mm -hmm. And um, never really heard back from her with regard to that. There was one email where she said she had a response back saying that she had uh, pushed back on this or that mm -hmm. with the president. Mm -hmm. um, but one of the disappointments I felt with her as my representative is that she didn't stand up to the president and tell him when he was wrong about things. And there were, there's been a number of instances where he clearly uh, wasn't even on the side of the law and she didn't stand up against him. Mm -hmm. And so when she declared that she wasn't going to run again mm -hmm. for office, mm -hmm. um, I had a small celebration over that. <laughs> my hope is that whoever replaces her, uh, Republican or Democrat, mm -hmm. Um, is willing to tell the president when he's wrong. Going to, you actually led into one of the points that I was going to go into a little bit later, but let's talk about that now. Um, there was some discussion that we had about uh, there are people who consider themselves Republican but have been disappointed that other Republicans aren't challenging the president on a number of different issues, and they, they have different issues. Uh, the main one that I've been hearing from the folks that we're talking to at Pointcast is um, the national debt. They don't, they don't understand all of the spending. Uh, a number of them were against um, the, the money for the law, um, thought it should be directed in other areas, but those are just examples. The main point is, 
you know, and maybe this is our lack of understanding of how political parties actually work after you're elected, right? Why do you think some uh, Republican elected officials have a hard time going against this president? And that's actually a question neither one of you can answer. I think it's to save face. Mm-hmm. Well, like, like you said, people align themselves to parties, and mm-hmm. that has kind of become the end-all, be-all in regards to how you present yourself. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you're a Republican, you need to stand with other Republicans, mm-hmm. even if you don't, ag- even if you don't necessarily agree with them. Mm-hmm. But because you are both affiliated with the same party, there should not be a public disagreement because in that, you know, sowed seeds of of discontent within the party. And I think that there should be seeds of discontent everywhere because <laughs> I don't think we as a nation are designed to agree on everything. I think that's how America moves forward is not agreeing on things and finding solutions in between. Mm-hmm. But even Speaker Pelosi talked about inner family discussions and public discussions. So this is pervasive throughout politics. Uh, one of the things that happens that takes place when you're a part of a political party, you co- of course come to people and, and, and programs like pot, a point cast, but after the election, your job is to uphold the agenda of that party, the party that helped you get elected, the party that partially af- funded your election. And I don't think regular voters understand how that works. So the only way that what you're saying is gonna work is interrupting that by sending letters like you had done with Susan Brooks, but also engaging um, elected officials in a number of different ways to remind them that you are actually the ones that voted them in, not their party. Um, And that's just the point that I wanna make for our listeners because I don't think that a lot of people uh, understand that it's it was it's regardless of party. It's it's just the way that the this two-party system works right now, and that's why some people want to make changes. Uh, that's why some people are breaking out and becoming more independent and rebelling against their own party. That's why, and this is kind of old school, but Senator McCain was the maverick of his time, right? Um, one of the things that he did before he passed away was voted against the repealing of Obamacare. Okay, he completely went, his vote kind of went against his party and caused bad blood between he and the president. But that sort of thing, um, there are people, there are politicians who believe that they are closer to their vote, close to their voters, and they believe that they're reflecting what the voters want over what the party wants. Um, before we, it's, co- I'm sorry. I was going to say, it's not, it, it's become about winning, not about doing the right thing, okay? And so if we are, uh, a unified party that doesn't disagree with each other, and we can win, that's more important than saying, hey, we're doing the wrong thing here. Is that what's going on right now? Oh, I believe so, yeah. We're on top, we're winning. Right, right. Any any thoughts from? That's all that's important. Frank, you have a? Yeah, I, I agree with Michael Harley on that one, and I, I think one of the things that you can kind of look at is Mike, Obama. I'm sorry, Frank, could you hold the mic up closer yeah, to your mouth? Yeah, yeah, I was saying, I was saying, yeah, I agree with Mike as well, um, and I think one of the prime examples you have of that is Obamacare. I mean, mm-hmm. um, the basis of Obamacare was something that Mitt Romney put in place in his home state of Massachusetts at the time, mm-hmm. and it seemed like the fact that Obama was the one, the Democrat was the one that was pre- presenting it, 
the Republicans didn't want to support it, even though it started as a Republican I idea. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. I mean, it is, it has come to be, to me, win over everything. Mm -hmm. Because if it was really about what's best for the country, we would not be in this divisive political discourse that we are right now. So if voters don't engage elected officials like we're doing on point, point cast and in other ways, um, is it, and with the changes that uh, people are trying to make with not just gerrymandering, but um, some people just don't even have the right to vote anymore because of convictions or other issues. If this continues, what do you imagine the state of our democracy being? Would it be what you know forefathers imagined? Would it, what do you think it would look like? I think what our forefathers imagined was checks and balances. Mm -hmm. They had a sense that human beings could not be trusted to, one human being, to be trusted to have all absolute power. Mm -hmm. And so we need a sense of checks and balances. And what we need are politicians who believe in those checks and balances and stand up for those checks and balances, even if it hurts them politically. Mm -hmm. the, the overall principles of the country mm -hmm should be something they're upholding before they're upholding their own interests. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I want to end, and that's one of the points that you made about, uh, made earlier, that was the last point that I was actually gonna bring up, was um, everything was about winning. I want to end though on a local issue um, that kind of goes into what we were talking about with underemployment. As you all have probably noticed, that there's been a lot of construction and reconstruction due to the expansion of the bus lines. And a, a lot of the talk for selling this idea was that it would help people get higher paying jobs. Um, whether you supported it or not, how do you feel about that today? Do you think the bus system can help people get higher paying jobs? We're talking local, right? Yes. Um. I think that public transit here in Indiana is a joke. And I don't think that, or let, let me rephrase. I think that any attempt we can make to further our ability to in increase our productivity of public trans transit is good. Mm -hmm. I just think that there are other ways we could have gone about it. I don't know exactly what I would do mm -hmm, mm -hmm. personally. I just know that uh, the construction itself is is incredibly inconvenient <laughs> <laughs> when I'm trying to work my job. <laughs> Besides going around the construction zones, the end product is supposed to take people take people farther north than they were able to go before. And you had heard a lot of testimonials. I'm sorry. Is, is it really Frank. about taking people further north or is it bringing the people north into the city that may be tired of making that drive? I mean, that's kind of my perception of <laughs> what we have done in our transport, tried to do in our transportation um, right now. Mm -hmm. is, is basically, that, that's the way it comes across to me is people in the suburbs are like, I'm tired of driving, I'm tired of dealing with traffic. We need a, we need a line dedicated just to us. Because if it was truly about improving it for the city, we would have invested in Metro. We would have invested in other things that benefit a larger group than just a specific group between 86th Street and downtown or however far this, this when there are particular lines are running right now. Okay, yeah. Well, I, I guess uh, from my perspective, mm -hmm. putting on a, uh, creating a red line based on a bus system is a real small band-aid. Uh, I grew up in cities that had uh, uh, commuter trains mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. in and out. Mm -hmm. I grew up in, in a city where 
you could walk a half mile and you'd find a, you know, you, you were within a half mile of a regularly scheduled bus run, mm -hmm, okay? Mm -hmm. This city doesn't have anything like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, we don't even have a good bus system here. Mm -hmm. uh, so you, why are we expanding mediocrity? What, how did that, <laughs> I guess, is that rhetorical? <laughs> I mean, I wasn't in this city when the decision was made, so I'm curious, how did, how did voters come about that? Did you all by the, the, the fact that, and the reason why I asked this is when I did research, a lot of people had negative thoughts about the bus system being um, late and being ineffective and just not showing up. And uh, then I, I moved away for a while, moved back, and all of a sudden I thought you all were building a train and it's <laughs> shelters for buses. <laughs> so right. I was confused. Right. Um, so how did this come about? I mean, how did, how was this the good idea that everyone supported? I mean, I didn't. So <laughs> <laughs> I was the one in this room. Right. I think the response here kind of may say that it maybe was we didn't support it. This was well, a it was a referendum for funding. Was there not? Um, was there? Yeah. Okay. They, they made it seem like there was a referendum. Not to, all right. <laughs> I struggle with this because one, I don't have a, t a lot of personal knowledge in it. I'm just going off my perceptions of what I see. But in the end, in the end, if it was really about improving access to higher paying jobs for the as many citizens of the city as it was, as it's as it is marketed as, it would not it would not be as narrowly focused as it is. Mm -hmm, there mm -hmm. would be uh, I'm gonna say my my thoughts are there would be looking to expand our current metro system to improve it to as Mike said make more access. Hey, half mile to a to a bus stop sounds like a pretty good place to try and be if you're truly trying to make a a transportation sit system for the entire city and not for s certain elements of it. Mm -hmm. Can I make a point on that? Please. Um, I feel like a lot of people discount personal opinion. How because, you, you know, he said, uh, you know, he doesn't have a lot of knowledge on it, but his perception was mm -hmm. what he just shared with us. Mm -hmm. But I don't think there's anything wrong with sharing a perception. Because mm -hmm. not everyone's going to have an in-depth knowledge of how things are supposed to work. That's why every time you've asked me, like, a question about, you know, a policy or whatever, I tell you, I'd, I don't think I would know mm -hmm. exactly mm -hmm. how to fix it. Mm -hmm. But the way that I perceive it is that it needs to be fixed. Mm -hmm. And I'd, I think that there are lots of people out there right now that think that their opinion, their perception doesn't matter mm -hmm. because they don't have knowledge. And mm -hmm. I wholeheartedly disagree with that. Mm -hmm. And so I just wanted to go ahead and put that out there. Well, I'm glad that you said that. That's a very, very good point. That's a very, very good point. And that's probably the reason why a lot of voters don't speak on a lot of the issues that we talked about. And instead, we rely on pundits to tell us what we think about certain issues. And then we kind of go from there. Are there any closing thoughts, whether on the public transportation system or anything that we've discussed today that you would like to share um, as a voter that you want elected officials to pay attention to moving forward? So I think I can condense the majority of my thoughts about current America politics into a few statements. Um, there are things I've kind of mentioned before, so I'll go ahead and hit on them again. I think that both voters need to do better at holding elected officials accountable uh, for the things that we vote them in for. And I also think that it's, it's very important that elected officials not only do what they say they're going to do, 
but that they don't continue to feed us rhetoric. Because I think that that's the majority of the problem, is that a lot of the people that are being voted in aren't trying to fix problems, they're trying to win. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. if we can change the mentality of the people, not only the people that are voting, but the people that are actually there, we can actually take steps to fix the problems that we have here in America because we're just putting Band-Aids on them right now. No one's really trying to actually fix issues. People are trying to win votes. And I think that the more we go about really having a discussion, really you know, getting ideas and, and discourse out there, the better off we are in making this America actually great. Do mm -hmm. you have any thoughts, uh, Frank or Mike, do you guys have any thoughts? Uh, actually, Joshua touched on a lot of how I feel about it as well. I mean, it, it comes down to us as voters being educated and, and holding our reps accountable. It comes down to our reps, you know what I'm saying, actually doing what is best for the country and not being worried about their party or maintaining their position of power um, where they are. And, I mean, that's, that's pretty much it to me. I mean, that's how I see about, feel about it. Okay. And, you know, I think... As, as average citizens and voters, mm -hmm. um, as well as those who represent us as elected officials, uh, there needs to be a commitment to the principles on which the country has been founded. Uh, freedom of speech, freedom of the press, that balance of, of, of power, <clears throat> the checks and balances in our system. Mm -hmm. We need to be defending those, not trying to get around those. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that I have pointed to a couple of times in the last couple of years that I consider to be an incredible difference between um, Mike Pence and his boss is um, there have been times when Mike Pence has been booed, uh, I think, uh, or, or people have made grand gestures in front of him. I believe when he was at, uh, he went to go see Hamilton. Mm -hmm. uh, they stopped the play in the middle of it as he was leaving to, to, to make a political statement to him. Mm -hmm. And his comment was, that's okay. That's what democracy is about. That's what freedom of the press is about. Freedom of speech is about. It didn't trouble him that somebody disagreed with him. And, and if he honestly believes that, uh, that certainly puts him a cut above a lot of pol politicians who don't believe that. Mm -hmm. Well, we will let that be the closing word for this edition of PointCast, first public forum and podcast. I appreciate you both coming out to participate. I appreciate the people who have come here today as well and all of the things that everyone has had to share. Just a reminder, PointCast is a podcast that doesn't favor any political party. We're a podcast that talks about issues. So our expectation is we're gonna be talking to active voters who um, are going to identify issues that are close to their heart and we have an honest discussion about those. And I appreciate your honesty. I appreciate the, the education that you all have given me. And um, I hope that we can continue to do this moving forward. Thank you so much. And we are out, Gail. <laughs>